Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. If you're watching online, if this is your first time watching, we're glad that you are logged in. Make sure you download the study guide, follow along in the book of Acts. To give you a little bit of recap, in Acts uh, part one, we covered the first two chapters. We covered chapters one and two of the book of Acts. It's an incredible, amazing, phenomenal book written by Luke, who also wrote the gospel of Luke. And so week one, we covered the first two chapters. Week number two, we covered chapters three through 12. 3 to 12. Uh, today we're going to cover chapters 13 through 15. And again, we summarize it during the week. We're all reading it together from our study guide. So make sure you catch up and you can watch the videos online as well. Acts chapter 13, as you're going there, look at the person next to you. Tell them you look phenomenal this morning. Come on. Smile at the person next to you. Tell them that you're glad that they're sitting next to you today. In fact, I want you to do something. Turn to the other person and uh, compliment them on one thing. Come on, compliment somebody sitting next to you on one thing. I love it. Come on, the church should be a place where we all get encouraged. Have you been doing water only? You look really thin, you know, like just encourage somebody. Acts chapter 13. Today, I'm only going to read a couple verses because it's going to set the scene of what we're going to talk about and read this week. So we're only reading a few verses today. Last week, we read a pretty big section of the book of Acts. Today, we're reading a small uh, section that's going to set up the scene. I love the book of Acts, and I hope you're following along. It's an incredible book. And I'm telling you, it's going to help your journey with Jesus. Acts chapter 13. If you're there, can you say amen? Amen. Uh, We're going to read verses 1, 2, and 3. Beginning in verse 1. It says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Sent them off. Week three of our study through the book of Acts, we're picking it up in chapter 13, where Paul begins his first missionary journey. This is Paul and Barnabas, and they are now being sent off on a mission. We're going to talk about it for the next few moments, and uh, then we're going to worship Jesus and pray. Today, out of uh, section number three of our book, how we broke it apart, I want to talk to you from this title, Pardon the Interruption. Pardon the Interruption. If you have a notebook, iPad, somewhere to write down some notes, come on, let's write notes together. We said that we are learning through this book together. We're leaning in together and seeing what God has to say to us in the book of Acts. Come on, let's close our eyes, let's bow our head, let's pray. Ask God to help us see him better and understand him through this book. And then we'll go see the dolphins beat the bills. Father, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, your love, and your mercy. Thank you for this family. Thank you for this community. Thank you for this service, people here physically and online. What an amazing day it's been already. Your presence is amazing. Holy Spirit, I know that you're here saving, delivering, freeing us, helping us. 
to see you better. God, help us to get a bigger, better vision of you. God, I pray that today you will heal hearts. I pray that you will lift up heads. I pray that you would open up eyes, break chains. Holy Spirit, even as your word goes out, you are moving in this place. And even the people watching uh, across the distance online, move in all of our lives. We need you. Thank you, God, for loving people like us. We love you. We thank you. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. All of God's people say Oh, come on, all of God's people say, come on, why don't you make some noise for Jesus this morning? Come on, give him a big hand. The the third part of Acts that we are talking about today, studying today, writing about today, is full of action, interruptions. It's a journey that Paul and Barnabas begin to embark on. And their journey, as we saw even in the previous chapters, gets interrupted often. Anybody hate interruptions? Anybody hate to be interrupted? Absolutely hate it. A couple of weeks ago, I felt like I was interrupted all week long. It was a week of interruptions. I mentioned how our AC broke down and we were at home without AC for a few days and it was absolutely terrible. On top of that, I was out driving and uh, the battery died and so I was stranded out there. On top of no AC, I now had a dead battery that I had to change. I come here to study and I was getting prepared for the weekend several weeks ago and sometimes when I'm in study mode and it's one of those days where I just want to finish the message, I'll put a sign on the door that day I forgot and I felt like every five minutes somebody was knocking, coming to ask a question and it's stuff that we had to do but I just, I just kept getting interrupted. Anybody had a day like that where you just get phone calls, interruptions, I go home and I'm like, okay, that's it. No more interruptions. The AC's fixed. Everything's good. The battery's fixed. I want to sit back and enjoy a good show and I started watching Ted Lasso. Anybody love Ted Lasso? Best show on TV. If you haven't watched it, watch it. It's amazing. And I want want no interruptions. And I felt like I could not watch the show in peace. Right? My dogs were crying. My dogs wanted to play fetch. It's 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, are you serious? Down, boy, down. And uh, Maggie's scratching at the door because there's a frog outside sent from the devil himself. And interruptions the whole week. I hate interruptions. I'm sure you do too. And I think we can all agree that life is full of interruptions. Life constantly will have interruptions on our journey, right? If it's not a car that gets stuck, if it's not a battery that goes dead, if it's not a phone call that you receive, it's a traffic jam on the way to work, it's a flat tire, it's uh, an appliance that goes wrong at home. Life is full of interruptions, I think the problem is not that interruptions happen. The problem is how we view these interruptions in our life. Because interruptions will happen. Many of us have been interrupted since last year. The, The world was interrupted. We all had schedules, visions, goals, but interruption happens. And I think the challenge is that we see interruptions as inconveniences instead of invitations. What about if some of these interruptions that come into our life are not interruptions, but they are God invitations to see him do something different in our life. We see it and we get upset. An interruption happens and we get bitter, we get frustrated, we get angry. Some of us here today, life has been interrupted, a divorce has happened, a sickness has happened, division has happened in the family, your son's in one place, the daughter's in another place, family doesn't want to talk to one another, you don't agree with one another, can't stand 
one another. You got fired. The business closed down. Death has happened. Grief has happened. Life has been interrupted. But what about if it's an invitation from God telling us, I just want to show you you're not in control. One of the things interruptions do is that they show us we are never in control. You had plans, you had a vision board, you had goals, you had things that you wanted to get to, but an interruption shows up and your calendar now is all out of whack, your schedule is all out of place, you needed to be somewhere at 9 a.m., 3 p.m., 6 p.m., 8 p.m., go home and cook some dinner, but an accident happened, a phone call happened, something happened in the family, and now you realize there's only one that's in control and it's God himself. He's sovereign, he's in charge, he's in complete control, and he's saying, I'm allowing this interruption to invite you to see me, that I'm bigger, I'm better, I'm trying to broaden your view of me to show you I'm in total control of your life. Interruptions are invitations from God to say, see me bigger than you can imagine. I'm trying to show you a different angle of life, that it's not always how you thought it was going to be, but I'll show you that I'm in charge, I'm sovereign, and I can do things in your life even if they don't pan out the way you thought they were going to pan out. Interruptions are really invitations from God to realize he's the main character and we're not. He's in charge and he's writing a story. The thing is, a lot of us with these interruptions, with these troubles that show up in our life, we get angry and bitter. But today, I want you to realize as we read the book of Acts that interruptions and troubles, they don't come to break us, they come to make us. In fact, I'll put it this way, trouble is a trainer that is teaching us to trust. Right? When trouble and interruptions come into your life, see it as a trainer. Don't despise God's training ground. Every single time an interruption happens, don't get mad, don't get bitter, get better. He's training me. He's making me. He's not breaking me. He's shaping me. He's maturing me. Come on, come on. He's making me a man and a woman of faith. Come on, tell the person next to you, I'm in training. Slap somebody next to you. Tell them, he's training me. He's making me better, not bitter. Today, God has taken you through his training ground, and he wants you to be a better believer, a more mature Christian that realizes when interruptions happen, it's an invitation to get better in our faith. This is not the way I pictured it. This is not how I thought life was going to be, but he's maturing me to trust him. Trust. He's teaching us through training. Acts chapter 13 through 15 are full of interruptions. Read it this week. It's incredible. Here we see men and women of God that have dedicated their life to serve God, and life keeps getting interrupted for them. In fact, we, we, we saw in the first week of Acts, Acts chapter 1 and 2, that the believers, the disciples are all in Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit falls over them, and the church comes alive. Come on. They all speak in tongues. They're all praising. They're all singing never lost. They're all excited. They're, 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 I mean, they're praising God, and all of a sudden, in chapter 3, God begins to spread them. And God says, you're not going to stay in Jerusalem. You're also going to go up to Antioch. That means Judea, Samaria, all the way to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus said. In chapter 13, when we start reading, they are in Antioch. The church is now in Antioch. By the way, that was God interrupting what they thought life was going to look like. 
the church thought that only Jerusalem was the hub, was the meeting place of the church. Like this is Jerusalem, what they thought was the only holy city, the only place that church could work in. And God's like, I will use you in any place that you are. I'll take you out of Jerusalem and still use you in Judea, Samaria, or in Antioch. Which, by the way, should show us that it doesn't matter what season of life you are in, God will use you. He'll use you in good seasons and in bad seasons. He does not need to have you in one certain place. He can use you anywhere. And so he moves the church to Antioch. And in Antioch, the church is thriving. Now that becomes the center of the church. Jerusalem's full of persecution. People are literally being thrown in jail for preaching and talking about Jesus. So they're up in Antioch now, and in Antioch, they're having church. It's amazing. Church is thriving. They have growing in faith. They have pita chips and hummus every day. They have connect groups. I mean, they're just having a phenomenal time in Antioch. The church begins to fast and pray, kind of like we're doing right now, 21 days of prayer and fasting. The Bible says that the church in Antioch was praying and fasting. They were really praying and fasting. Like they weren't having fritanga, chicken wings, and pizza. Nobody here does that, thank God, but, but, but they were really praying and fasting. While they're praying and fasting, we just read chapter 13, the Holy Spirit moves and speaks to them. The church in Antioch has some prominent leaders. We heard some of their names right at the beginning of chapter 13, but the Bible says that the Holy Spirit speaks and says, I want you to grab Paul and Barnabas and send them off. I want to use them now as missionaries. Here, the church that is full of the Spirit of God now is being interrupted by the Spirit of God. Paul and Barnabas probably had no idea they were going to become missionaries. They were finding Antioch. They were leading dream teams. They were doing amazing. And here God says, I want you to go and plant churches and go as missionaries because God will interrupt your schedule. And when he interrupts your schedule, it's an invitation into the journey of a lifetime. A spirit-filled life we see in chapters 13 through 15 is a spirit-led life. Number one, a spirit-filled life is a spirit-led life. Somebody say spirit-led. I got a question. What's leading you today? What's leading your decisions? What's leading some of the things that you are trying to decide before the end of this year or early next year? What's making your decisions? Is it the Holy Spirit that's leading you or is it your feelings or emotions? So many of us are led by feelings and emotions rather than the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts shows us that we are, when we are full of the Holy Spirit, he'll lead, he'll speak, and he'll guide. I don't know about you, but I want the Holy Spirit to lead me, not my feelings, not my emotions, not my desire. God, speak to me. This is why we're praying and fasting because we want you to lead us. Can I get an amen? amen? Today, so many people are just are led by their feelings and emotions. What does your heart tell you? fall in love with somebody at work or somebody that you meet. Ah, I'm so in love. My sugar foot. My honey boo-boo. <laughs> Kevin, what do you call Danny? My booby. <laughs> and you'll start talking to somebody and it, is that the person that you should be with? You'll start asking friends and I feel like people who don't have a relationship with Jesus, their response easily all the time is just, hey, what does your heart tell you? Listen to your heart. <laughs> Remember that song? I mean, if you feel, I mean, if you feel like it, do it. I mean, he is cute. <laughs> Listen to your heart. <laughs> the Bible says that the heart is deceitful. deceitful. Be careful with your feelings and emotions because they might lead you down the wrong path. 
but allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and say, God, is this it? Should I get in this business? Should I make this decision? Should I move out of town? Let the Holy Spirit lead you. If you're full of the Holy Spirit, you should be following the Spirit. Look what the Bible says, Galatians chapter 5, verses 24 through 25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the self along with passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, then let's follow the Spirit. Listen to your heart. (laughs) Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Come on, today say, God, I don't want to be led by feelings or emotions. I need your voice. Speak to me. Guide me. Lead me. Interrupt my schedule. Get all in my calendar. Speak to me. Shake me. I want the Holy Spirit to lead me. Anybody with me this morning? Paul and Barnabas were having church in Antioch. They were amazing. They were singing, shouting, dancing, building dream team. And God interrupts and says, I'm sending you off. As missionaries. But we like Antioch. And he's like, yeah, but I'm sending you somewhere else. Some of you, you need to listen to God's voice. Maybe before the end of the year, he's telling you, get out of that circle of friends. I got a new circle that's going to build you, help you. Get out of that toxic place. I'm trying to make you better. I'm trying to mature. Come on. Interruptions are invitations. Are we spirit led? Or are we listening to our heart? The Bible says they're led by the Holy Spirit as missionaries. The church prays for them, sends them off. And now we see Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey. Also, a shift is happening in chapter 13 because all of Acts has been Peter, the leader of the church. In chapter 13, now Paul becomes the leader of the church. Sometimes God is trying to create a shift in your life, but because you're not listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, you're falling behind on certain moves that he wants to do. And maybe it's a season of shifting, shifting friends, shifting jobs, shifting seasons. But because you're not listening and you're not sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, you'll miss out on what he's trying to do in your life. I don't know about you, but I want to move with the Holy Spirit. I want to be in step with the Holy Spirit, what he wants to do in our life. And Paul and Barnabas begin their first missionary journey. It's a movie. It's a journey. They take off on a boat. They go to an island first. They visit one city. Then they visit the second city. While they're in the second city, this is Acts chapter 13. It's it's phenomenal. You're going to read it this week. They're preaching to the governor of the city. While they're preaching to the governor, a devil shows up. Interruption. You want to talk about an interruption? A demon. (laughs) A demon shows up. Basically, it's a sorcerer, a magician, but he's possessed and being used by the devil himself. They're trying to preach to the governor. Acts chapter 13, verse 8. Read it with me. Acts chapter 13, verse 8. It says, but Elimus, or Elimus, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Paul, I mean Barnabas and Saul, later called Paul, was, tr- was saying. He was trying to keep the governor from, while they were talking to the governor, he kept interrupting. Don't listen to them. They, they don't know what they're talking about. They're talking about this God named Jesus. And, he was, and Paul's there and Barnabas are there trying to preach and he keeps interrupting. This is why you have to be spirit led and know that interruptions are invitations from God. Paul didn't get frustrated. Paul looked at Elimus and the Bible says that he rebuked them and called them a child of the devil and prayed that he would go blind temporarily. I'm not saying pray that for your enemies. I'm just saying like <laughs> spirit led. <laughs> but if you remember, Paul got converted when he lost his sight. Sometimes you have to lose your light to some, your eyes to some physical things so that your spiritual eyes can open. God, I got my eyes here, but I want to be spiritually led to see your hand, to see your movement, to see your spirit. 
Some of us are so in tune with everything going on physically that we're missing out on everything happening spiritually around us. And the spiritual world is way more real than, this, than the physical world. And the Bible says that he goes blind. Paul prays that prayer and the guy goes blind. The interruption was an invitation because then look what happens. A couple verses later, Acts chapter 13, verse 12. When the governor saw what happened, what had happened, what had happened, when the governor saw what had happened, I love the Bible, he became a believer for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. The interruption became an invitation for God to move in a powerful way. What interruptions are happening that God says, if you trust me, if you obey me, I'll move in your life. I know you don't like the division. I know you don't like the grief that you went through. I know you don't like the sickness. I know you didn't like the job loss. But if you pay attention, if you're watching with spiritual eyes, you can move in power. You'll realize I'm using your life in a powerful and mighty be spirit-led. And when people see that, they're going to be like, how? It's God's power over your life. I'll never forget one time I was with my youth pastor years ago. And we're going down this shopping center. And there was a man that was so frustrated because his battery had died. Kind of like it happened to me a couple weeks ago. And he was there frustrated. And he asked for a jumper cable. My youth pastor goes, this is, this is more than the battery. And I'm like, yes. The alternator. <laughs> I'm thinking physical. He's thinking spiritual. My youth pastor turns to him, grabs him by the shoulder, and begins to preach the gospel to this man. The man, his car is there, can't turn on. He's been frustrated, begins to cry, and says, I need Jesus, and gives his life to Jesus at that moment. What interruption is happening that we're missing out an invitation from God to move in our life? But you got to be spiritually led, not listening to your heart. A spirit-filled life is a spirit-led life. Paul and Barnabas, they understand this. and They continue to preach the gospel. They leave the island and they now go to another city in Asia Minor at that time. And they begin to preach the gospel and start churches everywhere. Now, as they go, they run into more interruptions. They run into more trouble. But they realize this is a training ground from God. And they don't complain. They keep going. In fact, what happens is that instead of complaining, they rejoice. Second thing we see from part three of the book of Acts is that a spirit-filled life is not just a spirit-led life, but it's also a joy-filled life. A joy-filled life. Some of us, we only have joy when life is going great. Like I've been there. Come on, when life is amazing, everything makes sense, life is going good, the dolphins are winning, the bills are the last place, uh, when money's good, when family's good, when everything seems right, we got joy. It's easy to have joy when everything's going okay. But joy is not happiness. Happiness is based on an emotion. Joy is based on a conviction. Joy is saying, I'm not losing what God has given me in spite of what's around me. I got joy. I got a joy, 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 joy down in my heart. <laughs> the devil can't take it. Now, now, I don't know about you, but if I was Paul and Barnabas, I would lose my joy quickly. Because God calls them, but he calls them into persecution. Like sometimes we think that when God calls us, he's going to call us into a paradise, time of peace. Everything's going to be amazing. No suffering, no bad times. But sometimes God will call you into deserts. I don't believe that. That's not scriptural. Okay. The Bible says that when Jesus, after he was baptized, the Holy Spirit led him out into the desert. 
The Bible says in Acts chapter 13 that Paul and Barnabas were led out of Antioch into Paphos, Iconium, different cities where they were literally almost killed. Sometimes God will call you into the desert. Can you remain with joy even when you're going through a desert? Can you have joy in your heart even when you're up against tough times? A spirit-filled life is a joy-filled life in spite of the circumstances around you. I got joy in my life. The Bible says they went to one town and the whole town came out to hear them preach the gospel and they started churches. People were getting saved. But then some religious leaders turned against them and literally told them to get out of the city they were going to be killed. And this is their reaction. When they get told this, Acts chapter 13, verses 50, 51 through 52, it says, but they shook the dust from their feet against them. And they went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They're being threatened. They're being persecuted. They're saying, if you don't leave the city, we are killing you. If I was Paul and Barnabas, I'd be like, God, what did you call me to? Literally, you told me to come here. These people don't want to listen to you. They want to kill me. Like, God, are you serious? Instead, they shook the dust from their feet and they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Imagine if the city of Miami was full of people that were not happy based off of circumstances, but had joy in spite of what happened. They had joy because they had conviction on the inside that it wasn't who was with them, but it was God on their side that realized if he's with me, it doesn't matter who's against me. If I got God on my side, come on, I got joy on the inside. Even if all hell breaks loose, I got joy on the inside. You can't take this joy. Life can't take this joy. I got joy on the inside. Come what may, come hell or high water, I got joy. Some of us, we need to dust our feet off of past circumstances, situations. You've been grieving for five years about a loss of a relationship, a loss of a business. You're still upset. You're still bitter. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, take that dust off your feet. Walk into the next season of your life with joy on the inside. Come on. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Come on. You want to be strong today? Get some joy on the inside. Say, I won't be shaken. I won't be moved. I'm a spirit-filled Christian, which means I'm filled with joy. Can I get an amen? Tell your neighbor, I got joy. I got joy. Come on, tell your neighbor, I got joy. The Bible says they literally go to Iconium now. They go to Iconium, they go to the next city. They preach the gospel. More people get saved. And then religious leaders come out again, begin to pick up rocks, and they begin to stone Paul to death. Read it. Acts chapter 14, you're going to read it this week. It's phenomenal. The one who was killing Christians is now himself getting killed. Like, God, I thought you changed my life to give me, like, a nice car, a nice house, and that's false gospel. You knocked me off my horse so these people can stone me? Sometimes he'll call you into deserts. Sometimes he'll call you into training grounds. The Bible says that they stoned Paul so bad in Acts chapter 14 that they thought he was dead. It says the believers gathered around Paul, probably breathing what seemed like his last couple of breaths. In Acts chapter 14, it looks like Paul was done. Here I am serving you, Lord, and I lost my marriage. Here I am, God, living my life for you, and my whole family has turned against me. God, I gave you my heart, I gave you my life, and my business shut down. 
God, here I am giving you all of me and it looks like all hell has broken loose against me. And God's like, yeah, trouble is just a trainer teaching you to trust me. That I'm God in your life, not because of what you have or how good life goes, but I'm God in spite of what happens in your life. Whether you lose the marriage, whether you lose your health, whether you lose the business, he's God. He's in control and it's training you, maturing you, making you better. Sometimes he'll call you into a boxing ring, offend you, and he will offend the mind to reveal the heart. To say, you trust me? Trust me even in the bad times. Trust me even when all of hell breaks loose. Can you trust me? If I was Paul, I would have gotten up off the ground asked for a couple of bandages and and I would say I'm going home you called me to this and I feel like there's people here today or watching that you're saying you called me to this giving you eight years of my life God and this is what I have I've served you my whole life God and now I got this interruption it's just an invitation and God is saying pardon the interruption but I'm inviting you to a bigger journey. That it's not about what you want, it's about what he has. And he's working things out in our life that we will never imagine. How? We don't know, we, we can't comprehend. These interruptions don't seem good at the moment, but these light and momentary troubles are working out an eternal glory over my life. That's what the gospel says. And so today, are you against trouble? Let it train you. Let it teach you to trust the one who's in control. The Bible says that literally Paul gets up out of the ground almost like if nothing happened. The Bible promises in the book of Isaiah that you'll go through the fire and not be burned. That you'll go through the waters and you will not drown. Paul gets up, takes dust off, probably has a couple of bruises and bleeding. And instead of quitting, he keeps preaching the gospel. And the Bible says he goes encouraging others and he just moves on to another town and he keeps preaching. Joy is contagious. Joy is contagious. That's why when you come in here, I love that our dream team is always full of joy. Like, that doesn't mean we got it all together. Some of us have had hard weeks. Some of us had ACs that broke. (laughs) Some of us had frogs in our backyard. Some of us had family members that passed. Some of us have been against heartache the last couple of weeks. But we come in here and worship is not a time for us to hear a concert. We get here early before worship begins because we're saying, God, when this starts, it's not a concert. It's not a performance. It's adoration to the God who's in absolute control. And I got joy. And I don't know about you, but there's times where I walk in and you could be feeling defeated, but you look at the person next to you and if they got some bruises and if they got some dust, but their hands are lifted up and they're worshiping God, that's contagious. A joy-filled life is contagious. It'll rub off of somebody else. How is he praising in spite of the circumstance? How is he worshiping? How does she have her hands up in spite of what she is contagious? It's a joy-filled life. He's got me. He's for me. He's with me. I got joy that the world can't take away. It's an inside joy. Life could be going terrible, but he's for me. And I'm not a Christian based on circumstances. I'm a Christian based on conviction. He's for me. He's with me. 
And they just encourage other believers. The Bible says they're on this journey for about a year and a half, visiting cities after cities. Then they begin to go back on the journey. They literally go reverse. And they start encouraging all the brothers that they left behind over the past year and a half in different cities. Like, yeah, we went all the way to Iconium. They almost killed me. It was crazy. Praise God. <laughs> and they start sharing all these stories. And they go back along the way, encouraging one another. Acts chapter 14, verses 21 through 22. When they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, all the way back to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. That line makes no sense. I thought it was through many good times we enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas said, we almost got killed two, three times. They literally pushed us out of a city. Probably at times had no money to eat, nowhere to sleep, nobody liked them. But they went back encouraging and strengthening the souls of their brothers and sisters. And they said, it's through tribulations that we're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. This goes against American philosophy. The Christian life it's understanding that daily we die to our flesh. My flesh doesn't like these interruptions, but they're making me better. Today, what interruption is happening in your life, in your family, in your relationships, in your job? And the invitations, the dysfunction, the craziness, all hell breaking loose against you, nothing going the way you planned. It's a training ground to make you more like Jesus so that you can be a spirit-filled Christian that is spirit-led, joy-filled, and what we see last, grace-giving. Spirit-filled life is a grace-giving life. In spite of what they went through, they give grace to everybody they want to run into. The Bible says in Acts chapter 15, the last part of this section that we're covering as a church today, you got to read it. Acts chapter 15, they get back to Antioch. When they get to Antioch, there's a problem going on in Jerusalem. All the disciples and apostles, they were together and they said, hey, a lot of non-Jews are now believing in Jesus. They're becoming Christians. Should they be circumcised? Because all the Jewish people had to be circumcised, all the Jewish men. And they're saying Gentiles should be. They're non-Jews. That's the way we know God is really in their life. And they're like, wait, 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 hold on a minute. Let's hold a meeting. We shouldn't ask everybody to go through that crazy surgery just because they became Christian. Paul and Barnabas, they go down to Jerusalem. After their almost two-year journey, get back to Antioch, go down south to Jerusalem. And there in chapter 15, this read your week, you'll read what we call the first Jerusalem council. It's a super meeting, literally. All the pastors, leaders, disciples, apostles, they all meet in Jerusalem. They're like, what are we going to do with all these new Christians? None of them are circumcised. And I'm sure if we hold a public vote, none of them will want to. <laughs> and they start a discussion. And, and literally, they just, give, they just give an example of what's happened on their journey. Peter speaks up and he says, hey, I was actually preaching to a bunch of Gentiles, non-Jews. As I was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And they all bursted out in praise and in tongues. Who's to stop the Holy Spirit? James agrees and they literally write a letter and they're saying, okay, fine, we're going we're gonna to declare it. Nobody needs to be circumcised to become a Christian because what we need is circumcision of the heart. You may look good on the outside, but if he hasn't changed the inside, 
Start to know good. And they become grace-giving believers. They write a letter to the church of Antioch, which is now the center of the church. And they said, read it out loud. The Bible says that Paul and Barnabas, Acts chapter 15, verses 30 through 31, it says, when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, really up to Antioch, but the Bible says down to Antioch. And having gathered the congregation together, kind of like what we're doing today, they gathered the whole church together. They read the letter, delivered the letter. And when they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement bunch of men were really happy that day <laughs> but there's more to it I want you to see it we're about to finish the band's about to come up what happens here is this you and I we live this life that we think we have to be perfect in order for God to like us some of you are here today or watching online today and you say well I can't raise my hands I can't worship because I've been a bad Christian I, I messed up this week and if I would have behaved really good if I would have been squeaky clean this week then today God will like me and he'll accept my worship. When and where does it say in the Bible that you can earn grace or you deserve grace? There's no way. The law, which is what they discuss in chapter 15, the law was there as a mirror to show you, you can't be good on your own. The law wasn't there to save you. The law was there to show you that you needed Jesus. Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, what you don't need is more law. You already got the law and you already understand what you need is grace. And what I came down to give you is grace. The law showed you you couldn't. I come to show you I'm the only way to the Father. I'm the only way to forgiveness. Pardon the interruption. You've been trying to live life on your own. You've been trying to gain salvation on your own. Pardon the interruption. But it's an invitation to live through grace. God looked at humanity and said, you're trying to make it on your own. You can't make it on your own. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how much money you give away. I don't care how many old ladies you help cross the street. I don't care how many dogs you feed. I don't care about any of that because the Bible says our righteousness are like filthy rags before him. And God looked at humanity and interrupted humanity. And God says, pardon the interruption. You can't get to me on your own. You're dead in your sins. And he invited us into the best relationship when he sent Jesus down into earth. He interrupted all of human history and Jesus came down. And if we have a relationship with Jesus, you don't need to be circumcised. It doesn't matter what background you may have. It doesn't matter what you did. A lot of us, we think, well, first I'm gonna clean up my mess and then I'll go to God. A grace-giving life says, no, get to God and then he'll help you clean up your mess. Come as you are. Come with all your background. Come with all your scars. Come with all your sin. Come, come. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Come to him. He's a grace-giving God and he invites us into the best journey ever, a relationship with him. Come on. That's the God that we have. Come on, with eyes closed and hands lifted today, why don't we thank him for his grace? God, you're a good God. We love you. We thank you. There's no way that we can get to you, God. We're all full of sin. We've all messed up, done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. And this life, we've tried to be good on our own. We try to get close to you on our own. But your word is clear. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. But you interrupted human history and you sent Jesus down to earth. 
Salvation is not based on our behavior, it's based on the behavior of Jesus. Jesus already lived the perfect life. And Jesus died the perfect death so that we may be saved. Today, some of us, we need to get full of the Holy Spirit. And when we get full of the Holy Spirit, we'll have a joy-filled life, a spirit-led life, and we'll have a grace-giving life. We'll realize that what he did is that he gave us. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 16, grace upon grace. He saved me. He saved me. I couldn't save myself. I couldn't do it on my own. He saved me. Acts chapter 13 through 15, God is showing us, come into my story. I'm interrupting what you thought the gospel was just for Jews. It's for Gentiles. It's for good and bad. It's for men and women. It's for all people, all races, all backgrounds. The gospel is for everybody. Sorry to mess up your little plan, but I got a global plan. And it's to save all of humanity through Jesus Christ. Today, some of us, we've been trying to do this on our own. We have this added weight on our life, this added pressures, almost like some of the disciples were doing on people, adding laws on people. You've added laws on your own life. You think you can't worship. You think God wants nothing to do with you because you've done so much wrong. And God's like, listen, come to me. I'll help you. You can't clean yourself up. That's what the law shows. You can't get to God on your own. Trust him. Trust in Jesus. And he'll begin to clean you up. He loves you just as you are and loves you too much to keep you like that. Today, do you have heavy weight? Are you hating the interruptions? Are you tired? Are you weary? Life has been interrupted by disease, sickness, grief, loss, financial loss, relationship loss. God, life has been a mess. What's going on? All these interruptions. God's like, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to trust me. It's an invitation so that you see that only I can feed you. Only I can care for you. Only I have control. God, today we give up control because we have none of it. Today we lay down our wills, our goals, our visions, our desires. We ask that you help us to see you. You are God. You are sovereign. You're bigger. You're better. Your ways are higher than our ways. Give us a bigger view of you, God. Trouble may be in my life, but it's just a training. It's teaching me to trust you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's interrupted you to invite you. He's interrupted you so that you can see bigger. Come on, ask him today. Make my view bigger of you, God. I want to stop complaining. I want to stop being bitter. I want to get better. Come on, he's making you stronger. At the moment, we don't like it, but he's he's making you better. He's maturing you. He's forming you. I feel like God is saying, stop complaining, start worshiping. Stop complaining, start worshiping. Come on, can we begin to worship God in this place? Hallelujah. 
Come on, can we give him the praise that he deserves? Only he alone is God. Hallelujah. Today we recognize, we realize you're God and you're God all by yourself, God. You don't need no help. You're a sovereign God. You're a good God. You're a God of all power, all glory, all honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody praise him. Forget about who's to your right, to your left. Come on, can you just lift up your hands, open up your mouth and worship him today? God, I'll stop complaining and I'll start worshiping you through the storm, through the battle, through every storm. I realize I'm spirit-led, joy-filled, grace-giving. You're with me. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, there's none like him. Hallelujah. God, you deserve all of the glory. You deserve all of the honor. You are not man. You are God. You're all powerful, all creator, all majestic, all glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty. Come on, somebody begin to worship him. Begin to praise him. Hallelujah, God. You are God. You are sovereign. Amazing. There's none like you. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. Hallelujah. We honor you today. With lifted hands, we say you're awesome. With lifted hands, we declare your grace. With lifted hands, we declare your power. With lifted hands, we declare your praises. There is none like you. Come on, church. Praise the name of the Lord today. All that is within me, praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me. Hallelujah. Your honor, your honor, your glory, your power. It all belongs to you. There's no one like you. Hallelujah. There's nothing that you can't do. There's nothing that's impossible for you to do. You're God. You're for me. You're with me. You go before me, behind me. You surround me all the days of my life. And if you're with me, who can stand against me? Hallelujah. I praise you. I honor you. I lift you up. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's worthy. He's worthy of all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Acknowledge him. Come on, acknowledge him. He's worthy. Somebody's getting set free today. Somebody's being healed today in the name of Jesus. He's opening up spiritual eyes to our lives today to see him. He's inviting you, inviting you into the journey. He doesn't allow it to get you bitter. He allows it to get you better. Hallelujah. With eyes closed and head bowed, we're leaving in just a moment. I'm sorry. I apologize if we went a little bit over time. We're leaving in just a moment. But if you're here, you're watching online and you don't have a relationship with God. If you feel distant from God, if you're saying, Alex, there's no way that God can love me. I've done so much wrong in my life. I want to tell you, we all have. There's not one perfect person in this place. I've done wrong. You've done wrong. The Bible says, for all have sinned. I've sinned. You've sinned. We've all sinned. The Bible says God is love, but the Bible also says he's holy and he can't be with sin. So he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus came and Jesus grabbed all of my sin, your sin. The Bible says Jesus carried the sins of the world on his shoulders, went up on a cross, and he died for all of humanity. Sin has a heavy price. It's called death. You and I couldn't pay for our own sins. They were going to kill us and separate us from God forever. But God in his mercy and his love sent Jesus. Jesus died for our sins. The Bible says he went down to a grave for three days. After three days, he resurrected. And the Bible says that Jesus is alive. Acts chapter 1, over 500 people saw him alive. He's alive. Some of us, we haven't seen him, but we know he's changed us. He's alive. 
With every eye closed, every head bowed, we're praying for you right now. This is the most important part of our service. He's waiting for you with arms open wide. He's inviting you into a relationship with him. With eyes closed, head bowed, whether you're here or watching online. If you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus. If you're saying, Alex, I need forgiveness. Alex, I know I've done wrong. I got sin in my life. Only you know what you did. But none of us are perfect. All of us are sinners. It doesn't matter what you did last month, last week, last night. He's waiting for you. I'm going to count to three as we're all praying in a moment of privacy and prayer. Eyes closed, head bowed, the entire church praying. When I count to three, if you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus, I need forgiveness. Today, I want to give my life to Jesus. Today, I want a brand new beginning. I want a brand new start. I want salvation. I want forgiveness. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. I'm not going to embarrass you, call you out. I just want to see who I'm praying for. Hold it up for a couple of seconds and put it right back down. If you're watching online, let us know you're making that decision. You can raise your hand right there in your home, in your office, in your cubicle. He sees you taking this decision. If that's you at the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. Hands everywhere. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You, you, you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Awesome. Awesome. Praise God. I see you back there. Amazing. You guys can put your hands down. All of us in one big voice. If you made that decision online as well, let us know in the chats. All of us in one big voice, repeat after me. My prayer doesn't save anybody. It's faith and trust in Jesus. I'm helping you to say this first prayer to God. Repeat after me with all you got. Come on, it's one big family. Let's say this together. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, that you died for my sins. And on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Forgive me and make me new. From today on, I'm forgiven and I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Come on, let's celebrate. Hands went up everywhere. Amazing. Hey, if you raise your hand, if you raise your hand here or online, we want to give you a free Bible. Outside, there's some tents. If you're watching online, we'll mail one out to you. This Bible is really cool. It has a lot of notes. It's for new believers, new Christians. And it has notes on the side to help you understand what you're reading. We want to give it to you. We buy it through all of our tithes and offerings. We buy thousands of Bibles a year, and we give them away for free. No strings attached. We want to put one in your hands today. Pick one up before you leave this place. Amen? One more time. Come on. Can we give everybody a hand? Thank you, Yoli. Come on. This week. Come on, let's see interruptions as invitations. God, open our eyes and help us. Let's leave out of here praying. Father, we pray that you go before us this week behind us. Help us to see your hand in every area of life. Thank you for the book of Acts. Thank you for apostles, disciples, believers, men and women who laid down their life and preached the gospel with boldness. Did not give up, but they were spirit-led, joy-filled, and grace-giving. Let us live with grace, live with joy, and follow your spirit. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, God be my vision. Come on, can we lift it up one more time?